You're listening to Creative Voices, sponsored by Treebark Store. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Creative Voices. I'm joined once again by Andrew. Andrew, welcome as ever. Why, thank you. Thank you. So I think we're pretty much launched straight into it today because we're kind of combining our, our shout out with our local business and the topic. But I think you had a quick factor of the day for me first. Yeah, and it kind of blends into what we're about to discuss. And that's that there are almost as many people renting in Ireland as those who have home mortgages. Um, and in 2018, Ireland had the highest birth rate and lowest death rate in the European Union. So whilst the population is kind of growing, mm. um, we've got this kind of bizarre, almost almost 50-50 split between people who are renting and people who actually own their houses or have mortgages on their houses like outright, Yeah, which is an issue to be addressed because it speaks to the kind of uh, security, security and uh, confidence that people are going to have um, in, for decades to come. It's also interesting as well because we have a, a looming issue with pensions in this country too. I don't know if you're aware of that, where there's, it's going to be a huge problem in a couple of years to come. I heard something about that and I heard that there's, there's, there's been like to and froing. Yeah. Basically, there are no pensions. <laughs> They're yeah. going to have to magic money out of the air in a few years' time to cover pensions for people who are working right now. But it's okay because we spent it all on the pop payment. <laughs> yeah, well, sure, they, they, they magic money out up anyway whenever it suits them and that's kind of part uh, yeah. of the <laughs> part of the solution <laughs> part of the solution is they just print out more money whenever yeah. they want to con- but anyway yeah. um, so I was th- there's one social media platform that I've got that I use really and that's Instagram yeah. and I was scrolling through it as you um, want to do uh, and I've come across this group now I didn't know how to pronounce it initially mm. um, but apparently it's iRiggy which is Oshkelga uh, for we rise together. Yeah. I obviously don't don't know that, but what caught yeah. my eye about the group was that they were uh, they seem to have a focus specific. They've got a campaign going on at the moment called Track the Vultures, and yeah. it focuses on uh, these vulture landlords that kind of own so many of the properties in Ireland. Mm. And I came across, so like I said, scrolling through Instagram, came across this this profile. Thought it sounded pretty pretty damn interesting. They've got a website, irigi.org. Um, popped in, had a look, and learned a little bit about it, but decided really I wanted to go straight to the store as best as I could, find yeah. out from you know from the horse's mouth. Yeah. So I gave, well, I sent them off an email first and got a contact for the chairperson, um, chairman, <laughs> whatever the PC term is now. Yeah. Um, big boss. Big boss, that's it. Billy Big Boys. <laughs> <laughs> um, a guy called Brian Leeson. Yeah. Um, so and I gave him a bell. Now, uh, straight off the bat, I have to say the the line wasn't great. Yeah. And I'd love to be able to have Brian in at some point for an interview because the guy clearly knows his stuff and knows so yeah, much yeah. about. Yeah. Um. No, he's got a background in his. Uh, originally, he was a, a member of Sinn Fein and a national organizer of Sinn Fein. Um. But he described how he he became became sort of disillusioned with with the party. Um, he didn't like that they were kind of they, they were too wed to um, some of the market logic yeah. that he felt dramatically needed to be changed um, and so he sort of broke off uh, himself and a, a few of his well I don't want to say comrades but <laughs> <laughs> uh, a few of the like minded people in the party kind of broke off and kind of formed this this other group mm. um, which they would which Brian was at pains to to um, explain to me is a Republican movement. Yeah, but he's well aware that the term Republican 
Um, is a loaded one that I can. Seem, well, more than loaded, it seems to have been appropriated by some fairly unsavory yeah, yeah. characters in Irish uh, politics lately. Um, and he, he Republican know, is a problematic term, seems no matter what country you're it in. It seems to be, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be. Which is, and it, as we were saying just before we started recording, I've clearly got a lot of learning to do about Irish republicanism, but yeah. he was, he, he went to great lengths to say, look, we kind of, we really do want to disassociate ourselves from the thuggery and the, the new machismo and kind of uh, overt aggression that seems yeah. to be associated with the term. They just yeah. believe in direct action. Okay. Yeah. Real action. Um, and so, you know, he was, like I said, he was a national organizer, he was a, men, a member of the provisionals, um, and their priorities had changed. So they they did, they were involved in the, the water charges kind of protests and stuff. Mm. And um, this all happened before I came about, but from what I understood from the little he told me and what I've heard from other people, apparently they were going to levy charges on. Yeah. There's so. It's funny because it was, you know, the company was called Irish Water, but it was a private enterprise. It wasn't, mm. you know, more than like oh, nothing the Irish government loves better than taking a, a resource that we have here and going, we should sell that to a private company. Totally. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> ah. yes. Anyways, as I look at the wind farms near me that are powering someone else, not anywhere in Ireland. But Is yeah. That how that, oh, well, yeah. Right. I'll stop. Don't even. <laughs> Oh, Wait, I'll to... focus on what we're talking yeah. about. <laughs> yeah. So essentially, it was just like um, water. Water supply in Ireland is a funny one. There's been a lot of like private schemes and local schemes over the year, and then they were trying to like put that all under the remit of one company, and they were going to be metering people at their at their uh, individual households and charging. And I think it was all just handled really badly, to be honest with you. You right. know, it. it Maybe it would have been something that could potentially, and I'm not against water conservation. Obviously, it's necessary, but mm-hmm. maybe a different structure. But it was kind of like, hey, you know what? You're going to be paying for water now. And it was kind of like, yeah, you know, it hadn't been in place up to then, especially not in cities. Like, I mean, countryside, you have private water schemes and stuff. So it was just a bit of a, a big pill for people to swallow when it came out of nowhere. And then it emerged yeah. that it was a privately owned company that was going to be taking what should be government revenue. Yeah. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's something you need to learn a hell of a lot more about. But I understand that it so it uh, activated or motivated uh, a lot of people um, to kind of take the streets. It did, which is not something we see a whole lot of here outside of like, you know, the more extreme protests, mm. you know, the kind of people who love good protests, you know. Yeah, yeah. But general <laughs> members of the public, um, you'd see them, and even here in Galway, you would have seen them at, like literally blockading um, estate entrances and stopping the guys oh, wow. in Irish water coming in. It got fairly, yeah, got pretty serious there. That that must be, it's probably three, four years ago now, maybe? I think it was further back than that. Yeah. I, I, I think... We've all lost a sense of time and scope. Yeah, because I mean, I think that, now I might have got the dates wrong here. I think that was maybe closer to 2006. Was it the water charges, or am I going too far back? Mm-hmm. I know that in 2016, apparently, is when their new focus and it, yeah. you were talking about privatization and everything. Yeah, the commodification of housing became the, like the the primary focus of of Irigi. Yeah, um, and so yeah, the commodification of housing is the fundamental problem that has fueled the housing crisis. I don't know if anyone's under any illusion. About that, <laughs> that we yeah, don't have a housing crisis. It's, it's some people, but also that it's uh, so much of it is down to the private market just swallowing everything up. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. 
But we talk about it in these kind of broad, vague terms. Well, we talk about it like it's Airbnb's fault, but like, you know. It, it, it's so much more complex and vast than yeah. that. And yeah, yeah. I only kind of skimmed the surface with, with my chat with Brian. Yeah. Um, he's very he's very well-spoken and very um, uh, articulate and kind of eloquent, even mm. in a way he kind of puts his his points across, but there's only so much you can get on a phone call. That's yeah, why of course, you yeah, know, yeah. I'd love to have the guy in the studio. But yeah, um, yeah so... The elephant in the room, however, is this issue because whilst I think everyone seems to sort of tacitly accept it, the establishment parties, and that's including Sinn Fein, uh, Labour, the Green Party, and the Social Democrat Democrats, um, don't really seem to be willing to tackle this yeah. specific issue uh, issue for fear of losing support among the homeowners of Middle Ireland. Mm. So there's a kind of co-opt from the corp. corp corporations co-opting Middle Ireland yeah. to keep this um, issue kind of under wraps, as it were. So instead they put forward solutions which amount to, well, cosmetic changes yeah, yeah. to the whole thing. Um, and so IRG is a group that positions itself in opposition to yeah. these minor changes. There's something more structural, uh, structural that needs to be addressed. And I guess what they're saying is somewhat more radical. Mm. So... The main issue is vulture landlords. Yeah. That's their, their their main concern. And the thing about the vulture landlord system is it's quite opaque. Um, now, there is a lot of information in the public sphere. Mm. So the IRG group that Brian spearheads, um, I mean, they're, for the most part, there are a few like tech heads who have mm. been able to set up the website and created, as I shall point out in a little bit later on, um, an app. But they're... They're not journalists. They're not, you know, um, data crunchers or whatever else. Yeah, they're yeah. People, they, they've just done the work for us. Yeah. And trolled through a lot of uh, uh, public, publicly available uh, content. Yeah. Um, and they've found... Sure, a lot of the information is in the public sphere, but you often have to go trawling through paperwork and so on to get to it, and that's where a group like iRG comes in. So... They've been researching the corporate takeover of society, and they started off in 2006 with the water charges, and they, uh, they've they decided they were going to take it on one cause at a time, mm. rather than spreading themselves thin. Better to do one better yeah, yeah. than several kind of poorly. Um, vulture landlords are people who have the money, basically, to buy out loads of properties where others fail. And they can do several things with this. Um, obviously, they can just own it themselves, jack up the prices. Um, inflate market prices as a result um, and ultimately end up uh, forcing people into kind of precarious living situations. Um, But what's become increasingly more popular, it seems, actually, just to backtrack on that, by the way, um, it's just interesting that there was that exchange recently between Danny Smith of Labour and the Healy Ray brothers in The Doll, where... You know, the, he kind of says to the Healy... Did you see this? No, no. Danny Smith. So the Healy Ray brothers were giving out about Labour in some way, shape, or form and how they don't know the people like they do or some some rubbish like that anyway. Yeah. And Danny Smith kind of stood up. Now I'm no Labour in Ireland fan anyway. But, yeah. <laughs> but he stood up and kind of said, look, at least I don't have to wear a political costume. Yeah. You know, to, to that's essentially what he said. Yeah. Um, you're some of the wealthiest landlords people in in the doll here and you're pretending to be one of many the people. people like yeah, yeah yeah which is interesting it actually got me thinking and i had a we kind of look through did a bit of trolling and almost half 
of all TDs in Leinster House are worth more than 1 million euro, according to the Sunday Independence Political Rich List. Um, the vast majority of them are land lords. I was just going to say, when you mentioned earlier on about how they'd co-opted Middle Ireland, I was like, also, that's the other side of it, like huge swathes of these guys who are making these decisions. It's, it's absolutely in their benefit to keep it this way. Yeah. So the first, the top, this is as of, I believe, 20, 2018. So things might have, might have changed a little bit in the past couple of years. <laughs> well, they wouldn't have gotten better. <laughs> yeah, I doubt they've got better. But so that the the richest person was actually uh, independent TD Michael Lowry. I don't know if you know him. I don't know him. The wealthiest politician on the no. dole, apparently. His state pension and personal assets are estimated to be worth a massive 6.4 million. The second wealthiest TD is Kerry TD Michael Healy Ray with an estimated wow. value of 5.4 million. Wow. He's also by far the biggest landlord in the Dole with 10 rental properties. Although he's said to the Sunday Independent that he's apparently up to his eyes in debt, poor thing, <laughs> and trying to pay off mortgages every week. <laughs> yeah, no rush. Tiny, tiniest uh, violin. <laughs> violin out there. But anyway, uh, I digress. The point being um, that landlords... There's so many landlords, and there's been a push towards the rental market as opposed to ownership market. Whatever their kind of superficial schemes, mm-hmm. rental is the way things go. And now there's a mix of local mega landlords and foreign landlords, right? So the big mega landlords are people like, I'm just thinking straight off the bat here because I don't have a list, people like um, the Comer brothers, mm-hmm. right? Um, but then there's like the sort of Canadian based or US based or German based. The vulture uh, funds people, that people hear about kind of when, say, the big concern with Ulster Bank going into um, remo- being moved from Ireland and the concern that all those properties would move into those kind of funds and so forth. Exactly, exactly. Well, so there's a bit of a cottage industry that sprung up around this, yeah. actually, because developers in Ireland in the past and up until very, recent, very recently would have been buying and or building in the hope that the market would sustain what they've created and then they would make a profit off of that mm. um, but with foreign funds with billions in their pockets and there's a whole other thing they're called REITs REITs R-E-I-T which is Real Estate Investment Trusts where a group of businesses can like bandy together yeah. band together rather yeah. <laughs> um, and come up with this finance now yeah. I, my tax knowledge is really poor which is you know down the line when we do have Brian in he be able to do a far better job of this but the point is that you have big foreign money come along yeah and go right well we're going to buy up all the property but they work now the cottage industry i'm talking about is they work in conjunction with local developers who don't even need to put their properties up in the market anymore or have any they don't need to ride the waves of um uncertainty in the market they have a deal the money's put up for them by these vulture funds and they've got a, a guaranteed purchase by these vulture funds, yeah. foreign funds, um, in return for them just simply develop, developing or building. Perhaps they need to meet certain specs or requirements as per these vulture funds, whatever. Yeah. But you've just got this industry where they're just like setting up, you know, okay, build for you, sell to you, all foreign owned. And then you end up with, as Brian was explaining to me, there are parts in Dublin where 100% of the rep- rental properties there or vulture fund owned it. Owned, sorry. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Like that's whole sections of Dublin yeah. that are owned by the same company. Yeah. This is like idiocracy or something. It's like the... It's like the, the privatization of home ownership with 
it's not even within Ireland either. Like, you know? No, no. And it's like, so you think of people like, I mean, fundamentally, there are only about 10 or 15 players in a housing market anyway. And they're buying up fucking everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's kind of easy to identify a lot of them, as I said, because uh, a lot of the material is in the public domain. But you've got people like Kennedy Wilson, who are uh, Beverly Hills-based vultures. Um, now, they charge an average, average rent of in some buildings of 2136 per month, right? Um, they don't pay any tax on their rental income. And they keep homes vacant in certain areas because that helps maintain the sky-high rents because it creates this scarcity. Yeah, the supply and demand issue, yeah. So there are buildings sitting empty. Yeah. So that they can, to justify them then charging rent yeah. on other... Like, this is criminal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's mind-blowing. Um, so what... Oh, sorry. Uh, just punch the mic in the face <laughs> yeah. there. You're Imagine outraged, Andrew, you're that. outraged. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what Brian was explaining to me anyway is that, that uh, they've created this project, the Trank the Vultures project. Now, they've already identified over 2,100 Irish homes that are owned by private corporations. So I should point out, by the way, it's, uh, we're talking about the residential, but this ha- extends to corporates. Oh, and, yeah, commercial, you know, everything. Yeah, yeah. Everything, commercial, all of that. Um so they've identified 13 housing developments in Dublin and Cork. Um, and these property assets are home to an estimated 5,000 people. And these are all privately owned, right? And that's so far because they're still going. Yeah, yeah. But what they're... Well, so, and what their app is then going to do... So there's uh, this thing called um, forward purchasing, I think was the term he used, uh, which is, as I said... Isn't it great when you put a lovely term on something? It just makes it sound better. Yeah, I'm just you hoping know? I'm getting the term correct. Because, yeah. uh, like I said, the line wasn't great. And I was yeah, just trying yeah. to... But um, the point is that they're buying up in advance. They're actually mapping out areas where the houses aren't even built yet, but they're owned by people in other countries. Like, it's just... Anyway. Um, and this fantastic app that they've got... Uh, that kind of max there's all sorts of icons on them and you can like kind of click on the different icons and it takes you to who owns what and whatever i mean in galway here you've got the comer brothers on that hotel i think the blue hotel that kind of um at the roundabout oh the carver southern yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's a real thorn in the side of a lot of people in galway yeah it's just sat there empty for ages and apparently they're going to do something with it they're going to it's been under a demolition order for quite some time but like i don't know man the next time it goes on fire, which seems to be a regular basis, they should probably just let it burn, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, now, he, so he points out that the um, the corporate takeover of Irish housing hasn't happened by accident um, or because there was no alternative model. Mm. Um, it has happened because of the deliberate housing policies of successive governments, which have included Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil, Labour, the Green Party, and a host of independents. Like they've all yeah. subscribed to this idea yeah, yeah, that yeah the only way to make the housing market work is to just sell off to other people. Yeah. And rental is the way forward. The bulk of the 2,100 featured homes in this app are owned by US, German, Canadian, and other multinational corporations which manage global property assets worth tens of, of billions of euros. So no one can compete with that. Right? Yeah. Let's just make that absolutely clear. Yeah. Um, now, there is an alternative, and the alternative that they outline is the wholesale corporate the old, to the old wholesale corporate takeover of housing is a new system of universal public housing or up housing for short is what they call mm. it now this is all on their website, website obviously yeah, yeah. now under such a system the state would take the lead in developing new housing which we've heard before we know about this um, yeah. which would then be open to everyone to rent at an affordable rate 
linked to their income and with absolute security of tenure. But more significantly is with the right legislation. This is where the, then the political will comes into it. And yeah. what they're, it's the second part to what they're trying to do is not just simply inform people, but create a political will to get legislation in that makes... It's so when people talk about like radical and often left wing changes, they think of mm. some sort of Stalinist takeover of the government. And he, he, Brian once again had to explain it. it's like, well, what we're saying is you make it less economically viable yeah. for them to come to come in and buy up this property yeah. and whatever. Um, forward purchasing was the term that I was looking for, by the way. Yeah. So what you have is at the moment is. Local developers are pairing up with foreign vulture funds to then buy off the local developers. It's called forward purchasing, and they're buying in advance. Um, anyway, so the alternative system um, is government having to take a more active hand in everything, which I know sounds like anathema to a lot of people. And it takes... We spoke a little bit about this previously. Is the, the it, it is... We're fundamentally coming to confront a neoliberal... Uh, ideology. Mm. That's where it's all coming to play here. I, I feel like I'm kind of ranting and raving on, and perhaps even kind of singing to the to the choir a little bit here. But <laughs> yeah. just what I find just so incredibly um, encouraging is seeing groups like this, yeah. and they've got wings in uh, pretty much every county in Ireland. Yeah. But looks of it, who are tracking and mapping all what? of this. Yeah. So that's just kind of my. You know, relating to this one group, IRG, thinking you should perhaps, and everyone listening should perhaps have a look yeah. at what they're doing. Um, they they welcome any and all support. They don't take any corporate support. Um, just one last thing. You know, yeah. the deep pockets that these vulture landlords have means that they can buy housing complexes from NAMA, right? So that's... What does that sound for again? The National, National Asset Management Agency. That's yeah. it which they have done. Yeah. The banks and private developers before they even get to the market. Yeah. Um and so those who would have historically bought these homes to live in, individuals, young couples and those looking to downsize are now unable to do so. So it's a lot more than just the unfairness of it all. It's yeah. the carving out of the community yeah. as a result. You know, people are now found these co-living spaces. Yeah. And a lot of the forward purchasing that they're coming that they're now attempting to do is they're building structures where they have new legislation. There was new legislation brought in in 2018, which meant that you could now build buildings that have fewer windows, that have smaller rooms, that have um, often co-living areas like kitchens and things, meaning that you're essentially ghettoizing people. Mm. You're cramming people into buildings that they have no hope of owning ever and that are, <laughs> by our traditional standards, inhumane. And that was only introduced in 2018, legislation that allowed that to happen. So this is a very recent development. Yeah. All <laughs> in the name of progress, you know? Yeah. And it's why I'm therefore just so grateful that a group like... I, we need to... Jeff, we need to have this guy in. Yeah, no, definitely. a better job of yeah. describing um, it than I did. I suppose what's, what's most fascinating is that I don't think anyone would disagree, especially anyone who lives in Galway and who's renting Galway, that it's a massive problem, the rental market in Galway. Yes, but as he, as Brian pointed out, it's like we all know it's a massive problem, and yes, but it's the the primary the primary cause of it 
doesn't seem to get the mm. the airtime it should in, yeah. in in the dull and, and I don't yeah, know but what, who what controls the airtime like you know what I mean yeah I don't know I, I surely just, like if you go to any country in the world and anywhere you go anywhere that's an independent nation or anywhere that's like a republic or whatever first and foremost nearly always within their constitution or whatever form whatever they have something in there is going to say about the right to own a home or the right to have a safe space or a roof or whatever term you want to use yeah. so like it seems safe like space. <laughs> safe space or whatever you know whatever you want to call it um, can't remember the phrase exactly I'm looking for but you would think that one of the earliest remits of any government would be the provision of that to its people it's the whole social contract issue isn't it it's mm. the whole what role is government supposed to to play and and you know without wanting to once again go into the whole politics of it all but there's one wing of the spectrum believes the government is there to just allow you to make or have whatever property you yeah. have and government should just defend it and that's it yeah whereas there's another side the side that I would be inclined to fall on that thinks well government needs to do a little bit more than that it needs to protect yeah uh, not protect it needs to well protect yes of course but it it needs to ensure that the vulnerable members in society are looked after. Yeah. So one's a kind of one side is a kind of well, I'm alright, Jack. Fuck you, as we said yeah. before, and a, you know, survival of the um, the luckiest, the richest, <laughs> yeah, the richest, exactly, yeah. survival of the richest. And but the other kind of ideology, I'm putting this really simplistically, but then the other ide- ideology is no, we elect people in power to make sure yeah. that we're not leaving those behind. Yeah. And sadly, the former seems to be the prevailing yeah. way of thinking at the moment so I, I'm assuming based on what you said there a bit in your conversations with this gentleman like it does seem like if they make it untenable for these people to do this like is there a solution outside of the uphousing thing is it just the provision of enough properties that no matter how much the other guys hold on to the market falls to a point where it's just not worth their while exactly well yeah the idea is to make it so Untenable building the property, uh, making building properties, making sure that there's that scarcity isn't there anymore, mm. and obviously then legislating accordingly as well, so that it no longer becomes viable for you know private uh, interests to charge extortionate rents anymore, mm. uh, so that government can then buy up properties itself and yeah. go right. I'm going to purchase all of this now. Yeah. Um, I'm really doing this. Um, like I said, Brian was the far better, had a far better understanding of this. Which I is, think what would be an interesting challenge from there is that there's a perception in people's head about like what would be thought of there as social housing mm-hmm. is almost viewed as a I don't want to say a dirty word here in Ireland, but there's a there's a legacy that goes with it that's seemed the people would assume means you know lower income, poor class, not you know that kind of stuff. Yeah, and. There's probably, it seems less of a history in other countries. Like, you know, I mean, you see all those flats in the UK and stuff that they built in the 50s and 60s to provide like accommodation when their their population was booming. Yeah. But here it seemed to be, they started that and then just those properties were just left to pot for how many years, you know? Well, like I'm going to quote directly from Iridu's website here, right? Because they kind of, they talk about that and they, they point that the current system of social housing and the current being the one that's been ongoing for oh, decades for, right yeah. it is a creation of the political establishment and it has physically divided our society by creating segregated low income housing developments yeah, and that's yeah. what we understand it to be is like a, a 
a hub yeah. of, you know, all the troubles and the yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever of society. Um, concentrating poverty in this way was always going to lead to concentrations of the social problems that are associated with poverty. Yeah. This in turn stigmatized social housing, a reality which suited those who profit from privatized housing. Of course. Yeah. Up housing is not the same as social housing. So yeah. they're at pains to say that. Yeah, I was um, going to say that would probably be one of their biggest messages they need to get across. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, you know, it would see the state building hundreds of thousands of new homes and buying up hundreds of thousands of existing homes. Yeah. So there's a kind of spread of it all, first of all. They're not being yeah. kind of, um, once again, ghettoized or, yeah, yeah. you know. But you've been in Ireland long enough, and I'm sure you've driven around that you've probably seen, especially in the Midlands, tons of these unfinished developments yeah. you know like estates that are like 90% of the way or less there Yep. and it's just mad to look at them sitting there going like well if there was enough interest to start to get this far surely there must be a need for them to you know yeah yeah you'd think so the value of them being finished has got to exceed whatever it's going to cost yeah to just to oversee and maintain what's already been built and yet hasn't been completed surely yeah. that's just yeah. safety point of view you often have people who are living in like neighboring states or there's been sections there was one over and over more a few years ago where that this problem was like basically a big giant friggin hole left in the middle of the estate where they had excavated for the next section and then yeah. just the developers went bust so you had like people living in other house around and then this massive dangerous unfinished site in the middle of the, the estate like fuck's sake you know yeah, yeah. I just, yeah. the The idea of the up housing would be to it's open to everyone. Yeah, that is in need of a home, regardless of their income. Um, you know, retail workers, pensioners, teachers, students, unemployed workers, builders, nurses, and every other occupation would live side by side. Yeah. So there's none of this kind of forced. I just, I'm just trying to think of. It, it's so often that logic and generally unassailable logic like yeah. this. It's so easily thwarted and so easily kind of circumvented by the right kind of branding, PR, yeah. money and media attention and, yeah. or lack thereof, yeah. you know. But it's even the use of a term like forward purchasing, which is very easy to say in an office when you're shuffling around papers and you don't have to think about the fact of what the reality of it is that you're yeah. doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like you can, but then, you know, half of them might might have some sort of philanthrop- philanthropic. Yeah. <laughs> And get that word out. <laughs> Philanthropic endeavor that yeah. kind of assuages their conscience. Then yeah, yeah. And, it's okay because I donate too. Yeah, and, and then the other parts of the problem as well is that things like the the REIT model that I only briefly touched upon um, because it is a big beast of its own. But the the real estate uh, investment trusts mm. that allow people to also kind of um, play on the stock market yeah. with the values kind of gained by housing yeah. this whole the, the fact that I think it probably started with Bill Clinton um, with the Glass-Steagall Act in 1996 I think it was I might have got the year wrong but um, where he kind of broke down the separation between high street and investment banking and said well actually you can totally fucking gamble away other people's money yeah you know and that, that that's created this model for the rest of society but anyway Shouldn't the CIA have a, a, a kind of um, system where they're uh, investing based on assassinations and stuff there for a while? Never heard of that yeah, one. Yeah, no, I must look that one up. I'll find that for you. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more, bro! Yeah. 
I don't know. I just uh, anyway. I you know, I think Fairfax to this mm. IRG group. I think you know because it's definitely an uphill battle. It's an uphill battle, but it, the first it may step to be a vertical battle to be fair to them. Yeah, yeah. But the first step is really making people aware. Yeah. You know, when you're walking down the street, I'd like I want to. I have I've yet to actually download the app myself. <laughs> um, but I want to be able to wipe out that app and walk around Galway, and for see. example, and go, wow, this entire street has been bought. By a corporation. Oh, tons of sections of all with their own by a few particular individuals as well. Like, yeah. Which is shocking. Mm. It's shocking. Like, it just, it blows the mind. Yeah, it's weird because I think it's like you said, <laughs> so many of us are aware of this issue, but there's maybe a bit of apathy towards it or a feeling of what can be done. But yeah. things can be done. Just people have to get angry enough, I guess. Well, yeah, but I mean, listen, it, I, of course, it, people, had, a lot of people don't have the luxury, as we said in previous episodes, and they have to focus on their day-to-day survival. And well, fuck it. So what if someone owns, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like, that's the reality of life too, to be fair. And that's fair enough. Fine. Um, it's just I'm fascinated by the fact that like the uphousing model sounds interesting, but it sounds like a solution for a problem you should have if you're in a country with such a big population that you've run out of space, you know, yeah. or that you're growing so quickly. It doesn't sound like a problem where a country where you have plenty of room for buildings, plenty of room, you know. Totally. Totally. And plenty of empty buildings sitting around. And then couple that knowledge, the knowledge that we've got, that the day-to-day, like our your average Irish resident yeah. is living in privately owned and often, often extortionately priced yeah. accommodation. Couple that with what we were talking about in one of our last episodes where refugees coming over here are also yeah. being milled through a private yeah. kind of setup, you know, agreed upon once again between the government. I mean, these things don't just sprout out of nowhere. They're yeah, agreed yeah. upon with the government of the time. And then, you know, you look at people who are the right wingers and whatever, who are, and I don't want to mention too many names because they're almost, they're not worth the airtime in many respects. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they, they, they finger points Mike about everything but the core issues. And yeah, I don't know yeah. if that's, uh, so, you know, that they'll, yammer on about women's reproductive rights you know they'll yammer on about the 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 church as opposed to the state they'll yammer on about the um you know immigrants coming or refugees coming to the country and you know ireland for the irish and all that kind of bullshit yeah yeah but they they, did nice hot button topics that you can easily get people worked up about yeah yeah, but any of the really nitty-gritty stuff mm. that you can do like myself and stumble over yeah. and poorly try to explain to other people, yeah. they just won't touch. Yeah. You know, they're part of the problem. <laughs> well, like, if you think about it, we're only at, like, what, 70 years old as a nation? So that's, like, what... Oh, when you like, when you, you know, we, what, you know, as a republic in the 40s. Yeah. So we are, what, two and a half, three generations away from the guys who had power first? Yeah. Who obviously didn't really want to, you know, trace the the political lineage oh, like there's a funny thing in Ireland where like not so much you now but in the last few years they'd be like oh well his dad was whatever and like he comes from a family that are in politics and, yeah. and you say that as if it's a good thing yeah you're like let's get more of the same in here we'd love a bit more of the same you know because yeah. yeah. you know that's always what brings about change <laughs> like some guy's son who you know the family lineage and the family yeah Fam- dynasties yeah essentially we've never seen anything good come from that sort of scenario no. God no! Suddenly so we start to divest away from those kind of like power structures that have been in place, and are obviously in the more as you mentioned, like with the Healy Rays being the second biggest landlord, like yeah, you know, it's not like as if they're ever going to give that up unless it's taken away from them. 
I mean, how can they ever hold an opinion on the housing crisis? Yeah. And, you know, express it on behalf of the people, knowing full well that they own, you know, so many different properties and charge rent for so many and are rolling, raking it in, you know? And but then easy to put on the act on, you know? Yeah, and that's it. That's it. It's a it's a political clown suit. I think you know there is like a legacy with our parents and grandparents of like the whole supporting people you knew or like voting for, and because that's been in place so long, and because nothing has ever really happened, and those guys have never really delivered on anything they've promised, there is no real expectation from anyone that something will get delivered. So they just keep doing it because they don't believe that even if someone else comes in, they don't believe in change because they've never seen change or progress. Which is like, like, God help the fucker who comes knocking on my door campaigning. Cause like, yeah. Well, I mean, look, it's easy to get kind of complacent and comfortable with the way things are going. And that can happen for a couple of reasons. You're, you're in a position yourself that's comfortable and, you know, you don't want that changing. But Or you're not, but you recognize, as we were saying, that it's such a uphill slog to try and get that change that you're mm. dissuaded from doing so. So it takes yeah. a, a it takes a me- immense reserves of energy and enthusiasm and inspiration to to maintain that kind of thing. Um but it starts I suppose with the kind of discussions you're having and yeah. you know and I mean that's a whole other episode in itself but are the media doing enough to contribute to that? We know social media isn't. Yeah. Um it's difficult, but that's why, once again, I'm just so reassured and so comforted in myself. I think it's ingenious that they've got this, mm. yeah, that yeah. IRG has created this this uh, this tool, mm. you know? Um, and as I said to, to Brian, when, you know, we were wrapping up and everything, like, I think it's a absolute, it's a brilliant idea. What do you hope to do in the long run? He's like, well, that's our first step, isn't it? Just to make sure that everyone knows exactly yeah, yeah. what the lay of the land is. Yeah. It seems like they're approaching it in a... A sensible way, though, as you said, yeah. tackle that issue and work on that issue rather than trying to be too many things, you know? Exactly. Just one one step at a time and start with the really crucial ones and what's more yeah. crucial than anything. It's funny, I think in the, in the few episodes we've done so far, it's clear the message that like we've unintentionally brought across is that like, if you want things to change, it starts with yourself, be it in the small steps of being even awareness or... Yeah. And obviously there's lots of great groups out there like IRG and, and like... Um, other groups you've mentioned in previous episodes and what they're doing. Lakeela's another Lakeela, one. yeah. So maybe, you know, reach out and see how you can help in some small way because it's not going to be the one person doing it all. It's, going to, it's, it's all the small steps by all of us that will add up to hopefully change for, maybe if not for us, at least for our kids, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You're here. Yeah. So I think we'll uh, wrap it up for that today unless you have anything else, Andrew? Yeah, fuck the right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's our new outro for the show, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. As ever, we'll have links for everything in the show notes. Feel free to reach out and get in touch, be it through Twitter or Instagram, whatever it means you want. And we'd be happy to discuss some stuff for future shows. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to Creative Voices. This podcast is sponsored by Treebark Store and produced by P3B Photography. For more information, find us on Instagram, treebark.store or at P3B underscore photos. You can visit our website, treebarkstore.com or p3bphotography.com. Thanks again and catch you on the next episode.